Good day to you, fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. You can see the title to my message this I can say this afternoon now, um, renewed minds. We, this is our struggle, and that's connected to the word that I gave you just a moment ago and the prayer that I prayed at that time. That we live in this culture, in this world, and this culture is, is just invading us constantly. You know, I mean, you get, because of the constant media interaction that we have, it, it, it invades our most private moments. You know, uh, at this point, I mean, and, and it happened in the last service, so maybe I'll give you a warning and a heads up now in this service that, you know, somebody that thought they had their phone off You know, this, this media just invades the most inane moments, the moments that we're, here we are worshiping the Lord and getting a word from God and then, and in their case, they tried to turn it off, but realized that they had to literally turn their phone off to make it stop. And, but that's just a, the nature of how this constant input of our culture surrounding us, it creates a battleground. Because for you to think differently or to think, let me rephrase that, to think scripturally, you've got a battle on your hands. Because you are constantly having to deal with what you see, what you think, what you feel, all of these senses are constantly invaded by our culture. Constantly. And as you sit here, even this morning, you're dealing with all of the issues that surround us. I'll use what is probably the biggest current example in our culture and time. Because there are some of us in the sanctuary this morning that you're wearing the masks. And you get the constant feeding, the constant feeding of what's, what we're being told and what this virus will do and what it has done. And then those of us that are not wearing masks, and you're like, well, I don't care, I don't want to, and then the people that are wearing the mask, how can they think that way? How can they operate that way? And I want you to know that that's a part of the world that you live in, and you can't ignore all of those voices. You can't. It's an impossibility. And I'm not drawing up sides for you. I'm not doing that. I think that I just, I'm not doing that. Whatever anybody else does, that's their, their business. I'm not drawing up sides for you. 
Because whatever you think and however you feel about it, you can get all of the information you want to back you up on it. On every side of that issue. And that's just one issue in our life and time. Just one. But it's like that with everything. Everything. So you are constantly, hear me when I say this, don't get lost in me talking about masks or not masks. You hear what I'm saying now? See, because that's what it's all been reduced to, just this, uh, this when we can throw out a tidbit of information to tantalize our minds, and constantly that's what's leading us. So for you to have a renewed mind, a scripturally based mind, it's a battle. Now you can say amen to that. I'm going to begin with a question today. Is your life any different from your neighbor's? Are the activities in your home any different from your neighbor's home? Someone were to come to your home this afternoon, unannounced, and you invited them in, and they didn't know you, how long would it take for them to know that you're a believer? When you get a new workmate, somebody is in the workstation you're at, how long does it take before they realize you're a believer? When you're out in public, do you have a different demeanor or manner than others? Pastor Amy and I showed up yesterday. I'll give her credit. At a, uh, we went to the Dairy Queen up in the Stroudsburg area. We were in the Poconos yesterday afternoon. And when we came home, it was about, I think we stopped there around 7 o'clock. This was after waiting in a line for a Burger King drive-thru for 15 minutes, only to find out they didn't have what we were getting, were in the line for. And probably the one and only time I have ever said, well, thank you so much, I'm going now. I wanted a chicken. I didn't want anything else they had on the menu. That's what I wanted. And so we ended up going to a Dairy Queen, and when we got to this Dairy Queen, it was crowded. Poconos, Saturday afternoon, everybody from everywhere, all you New Yorkers, invade the Poconos region and just left the outlet malls, I assume, and Kalahari and had to have some food in your system. And anyway, they're all there. It's crowded there. And they're running around like crazy, trying to take care of people. Because not every restaurant's open now. Not, they can't serve people. You could see the frustration on the workers and, and, of course, people standing in line and people acting stupid. The people that are taking your orders, the people that are delivering your orders, they can't help what's going on. And... Uh, and and Pastor Amy saw this happening. I actually wasn't there to hear this. I was there to hear what happened afterwards. But she's, 
she said to the people that were uh, taking her order, thank you so much for what you are doing. I know this is frustrating today. And there was literally, and I only know this because of after the fact, we sat outside at picnic tables. And a lady that was, she was about to leave with her son, and she turned around and said to her, I want you to know that what you did really impressed me. And it kept me from doing something stupid because I was about to tell them what I thought. And so I say all of that to simply say, how is your life different from everybody around you? Because if you have a renewed mind, and, and I'll take some credit because I said to her after we left Burger King, I said, what difference does it make? We're just going home when we're done. And so we're going to get a meal that we didn't have to prepare and don't have to clean up after. So what difference does it make if it takes another 10 minutes? Why get frustrated and make it a thing? And that's my point. See, that, but let's get this to a spiritual plane. If you're no different than everybody around you, how are people going to see Jesus in you? And this starts here. It starts here. And I realize me asking those kinds of questions, we, we don't like those metrics or measurements. Uh, they're very subjective. And I realize that we're rightly cautious in judging one another. So we shy away from this kind of thing, especially as it relates to other believers. Like, it's not your business to judge your brother. Judge not, lest you be judged. But on the other hand, if you never set boundaries or take measurements, you are destined for failure and a crisis of your spiritual well-being. If you never measure this, if you never go through the trouble to say, how am I measuring up? Listen, we will have this back-to-school bash next weekend, next Saturday, and I can assure you Next Tuesday, the following Tuesday, I'll say, in our office, we will sit down and say, okay, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? And what did we do good that we can do excellent next time? We will ask those questions of the event. Why? Because if we don't ask those questions, it's going to stay mediocre. And the same thing will happen in your walk with Jesus because you will lower yourself to the least intrusive point in your thought processes because you don't like to feel bad about yourself. But if you never ask yourself, could I have done that better? then you're never going to grow. So for anything to increase or to develop or to grow, there needs to be assessment. And sometimes that will be uncomfortable. But in the spirit of iron sharpens iron, we need to have close... Hear me when I say this is not in your notes, so I'm going to say it to you. It is being recorded as 
my understanding. So at least you'll have it on the video, audio recording. We need to have close and stable enough relationships with other believers that they can lovingly correct us or challenge us. I'm going to repeat that because it's a fault line for the church. Hear me when I say it. We need to have close enough for iron to sharpen iron. That's intimacy. You don't get sparks if you're not touching Right, you hear me? That's the I'm using the biblical uh, concept of iron sharpening iron. It means that we're close enough to one another. We have a relationship that's close enough that I can say something to you that may be critical in its nature, but it's not meant to tear you down. Rather, it is meant to help you grow stronger. So you need to have a close enough relationship and stable enough relationship that you're not just going to run from it when somebody comes along and says, you know, brother, I think there's a better way to do this. You'll just get offended and walk away. Listen, you don't like what this preacher preaches. All you got to do, there are about five. Fact is, I found out there are 700 churches in the Lehigh Valley. Yeah, 700. So 842,000 people in the entire Lehigh Valley region. So yeah, uh, you do the math, by the way. I did that the other day. I think every church would have 1,200 people in it. Something like that. So my point is, instead of having these close, valuable relationships, we would prefer the surface relationships, which leaves the church in this desperate position where we look like everybody else. And we don't impact our culture. We have little impact on our culture. We just look like the rest of the people. We act like them. So constantly the church just is... Just be in the church. We're having our fun on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights on occasions. We're just in church, just having a service. That's not the intent that Christ had for his church. So for this to work properly in the church, it'll require that we have renewed minds. And for us to properly serve one another in the body of Christ, we need to have our minds renewed. <laughs> Look at your neighbor right now and say, you need your mind renewed. Don't turn around and say to them, mind your own business. Remember what Jesus himself said? I got it for you here in the Passion Translation. Mark 10, 45 puts it this way. For even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone. 
and to give his life as the ransom price for the salvation of many. Didn't come to be served, but came to serve. Now that's a foreign concept to the most of us. Let's, let's look at, by the way, you have notes for what's going to end up being a two-part message. So you're only going to get halfway through this one today. So those of you that were worried, it's still going to be a long service, but I'm not going to, I just, there's no way I can get through all of it. So I've determined late last night that I was going to make this a two-part message, Lord willing. So let's look at essentials for living differently. And I'm drawing from the passage of, most of this today will be the writings of Paul. But from Romans, he wrote the church in Rome in chapter 12, just these two verses I'm going to read today. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. You are not your own. And here again is a foreign concept. I am not my own. I think independently. I think with my own mindset and will. And yet, I have to yield my will to his greater plan and will. So let them... Because of all he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Again, we're still talking about your human body, your physical body. The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So again, worship isn't just about dancing and singing. Your whole life is to be given to him in worship. So it includes your physical body, and thus we talk about actually physically dancing this morning unto the Lord, because it's not yours. You're not dancing for you. You get some benefits from it, but it's primarily for him in this atmosphere. The kind he will find acceptable, this is truly the way you to worship him. Second verse, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And this is our struggle. It'll be your struggle till the day you breathe your last breath. Conforming to the mindset and thinking or manner of Christ versus what you think, hear, and feel. This is where your behavior and actions will come up against science. Because science is going to tell you something different. The earth is billions of years old. And you're going to struggle with these concepts. The battlefield of the, the mind 
and, and what's, what's going on here. You're going to deal with those issues throughout your life. And we need to understand how to translate it, how to interpret the Word of God and walk out the Word in our lives. So is it possible to think so much like Christ that our minds operate on a different plane than others around us? Is it possible to think so much like Christ that our minds operate on a different plane than others around us? It's not only possible, it's essential. And this may be one of the most important truths that Paul ever wrote. That we have to retrain our minds. Now listen to me when I say this, because I just mentioned about science. You're not ignore, I'm not telling you to ignore science. I mean, apples fall when you drop them. That's a scientific reality. Gravity is for real. And so I mean, don't take all of this just to say we can ignore all of that. But somehow you have to figure out when it comes up against your understanding of the Word of God, you got to work through that. And the Word of God has to come out on top. The preaching of Christ must come out on top. And so I'll say it to you this way. Don't let the tentacles of the world's octopus so engulf you that you are unable to see, think, and feel any other way but by the standards the world measures. Don't let it happen. It's a battle. But it will, and it will be something you have to constantly give time and attention to. But don't let the tentacles of the world's octopus so engulf you that you're unable to see, see, think, and feel any other way but by the standards of the world measures. You're going to be a man or woman of the word. That's what will cause you to stand. You're praying for a biblical mindset. So how do we avoid this happening? By a radical transformation from within. That's how we avoid it happening. We get a radical transformation from within. In other words, he begins that work at the moment of salvation, but then we walk out the course of our lives growing in knowledge and understanding of the word and applying the principles that Jesus taught us, and he walked out. We have to also renew our thought pattern that demonstrates true godlikeness or genuine Christianity. Got to renew our minds. I love what Pastor Chuck Swindoll says. He puts it this way. I got it for you. Living differently begins by thinking differently. He's, past, he's a great pastor. I love his voice and the way he preaches, but 
uh, and a great author. And, but living differently begins by thinking differently. And I think it's time that the church returned to living the life of a servant. What a wonderful day to be able to say this because, you know, after what happened the last two Saturdays, you as a church proved this point, living the life of a servant. There were probably 40 more or more people here yesterday with this car wash and then the weekend before, I think there were about the same. Somewhere in north of 40 people showed up here to work and serve. It's time that the church returned to living the life of a servant. A life that exemplifies serving others is one that is convinced that such a life is necessary. So it starts here by thinking properly. You have to start thinking like a servant. Philippians 2 verse 5 puts it this way. Again, the Passion Translation Paul writes, and consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. Y'all know what the King James says, right? Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. This is just the Passion Translation. Let his mindset become your motivation. So in other words, I want to become more like and think more like and operate more like Christ. You realize what passage of Scripture this precedes? It's that passage which describes Christ's willingness to take upon himself the form of a servant. Christ was willing to become a servant, to give himself as a servant, to give his life a ransom for everyone. Jesus, you see, had not allowed himself to be squeezed by the thinking of his world. In total selflessness, he gave himself for the world. Total selflessness. Now I know that's a, that's a tough one to achieve. Total selflessness? You know, our, our minds run down so many different avenues, even as we sit here right now. We're not thinking selflessly. We're not. Because there are those of you who are sitting here right now thinking, <clears throat> you know, if they would drop the temperature in this place a few degrees... It would keep me from sweating. And I pay my tithes. You would think that they could keep the air conditioning low enough to satisfy me. About a half dozen of you thinking that way. And then there's another half dozen of you thinking, man, if they would turn the air up just a notch, I wouldn't be freezing to death. And they could save a dollar or two. What else are they doing with all my tithes? 
You see? That, and that's all happening right now. And, it, and I, we're laughing, I'm enjoying the moment, but we, you realize that's carnality, right? You're only thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about the preacher on the platform that's just barely avoiding sweating. I debated even wearing a long sleeve shirt this morning. And so we have all of this going on at the time. We got to have our mind thinking Jesus' thoughts. He's forever our greatest example. Jesus. Totally selfless. And, I, and that's, a, that's a big pole to jump. That's a big one. I understand that. But he's our example. And that's what we should be striving towards. Not how to look like everybody else. Not how to think like everybody else. So let's talk about being spiritually minded now. Second half of the message. For today. And I always... I have to choose short titles because there's not a lot of space in my PowerPoint, but here's what this section would really be titled if I put it all together. It would be thinking spiritually in a natural world. Thinking spiritually in a natural world. That's our battle, isn't it? That's our battle, thinking spiritually in a natural world. You live in the natural world. You can... Smell things right now. You can see things right now. You can feel things right now. That's your natural world. You see things, you know. There's the preacher all in white. What's up with him? What's he thinking? White is right? You see things, right? You see things, and you can't, it's a natural world. You're a part of it. And so you have to walk through this battlefield. Think of it like a minefield that's trying to get to destroy you. You need a renewed mind. We're going to look at that now. Paul writing to the church in Corinth in, chapter, in uh, the second of his letters to the church in Corinth, chapter 10. So 2 Corinthians 10, I have it for you naturally. So I, Paul, appeal to you with the gentleness and kindness of Christ, though I realize you think I'm timid in person and bold only when I write from, a far, from far away. Well, I am begging you now so that when I come, I won't have to be bold with those who think we act from human motives. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Wow. This is something you do, by the way, in faith, by faith. 
We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. I'm going to get into that in more detail next week. And after you've become fully obedient, we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. Look at the obvious facts. Those who say they belong to Christ must recognize that we belong to Christ as much as they do. <coughs> this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 7 is one of the most helpful on the battlefield of the mind that we have. Now, as we look at the church in Corinth, even to the casual observer, if you read, if you'll read that in one setting, you have to step back and you'll look at it and think, that was a messed up church. Do you, you recall what Paul had to write them about? I mean, the church in Corinth was messed up. You get to peer into a group of Pentecostal believers that struggled with carnality. They struggled with carnality. Fleshly thinking, fleshly mindset, worldly thinking. They struggled with it. And yet there were a Pentecostal church. Holy Ghost speaking Pentecostal church. They were absolutely in the mold of the world system. One, in fact, could rightly say their minds were unrenewed. They hadn't developed enough. They may have grown some, but they weren't where they needed to be. At times you wonder if they were in the family of God at all. Why? Because they fought. They, they fought. They argued with one another. Church people arguing with one another. I know, it blows you away to think, church people? Hiding? What? They criticized Paul. They were competitive. You remember what 1 Corinthians 11, when we do communion, he had to send that whole, that whole chapter basically was about how messed up they were with communion. I mean, some of you people party, you have a big meal, and then you have people that are fasting, and they're all messing with one another. You're not just having a little sip. You're indulging in the fruit of the vine. And anyway, so this is that they were competitive in this stuff. When one of them give a tongue and another one would try to give a tongue over the other one, so while they're speaking or a prophetic word, one speaking over here, another one speaking over there, Paul's saying, no, it shouldn't happen that way. They were messed up. So what I'm going to get to in this morning, and I, I'll build on it next week, Lord willing. I'm going to give you five points that reveal the natural thinking from this passage in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The natural thinking from this passage. 
um, they were prejudiced instead of objective. That's from verse 2. Prejudice instead of objective. Let me just open it up here and I can get down here off the platform and Here's what Paul writes, I'll read it again. Well, I am begging you now so that when I come, I won't have to be bold with those who think we act from human motives. Where's the prejudice in that verse? We can't help from being human. It is who we are. We see what we see. We think what we think. We feel what we feel, right? Uh, prejudice it has no room in the church, and you, you know I, I preach that, I teach that, and lead that. We're a wonderfully mixed congregation. I'm so blessed to be a part of a mixed, such a very mixed congregation. And, and I, I, I do have, carry some pride in that, but from the positive angle. And so there's no room for prejudice. We can say that in the church, but we're human, Right? And so prejudice exists whether we want to admit it or not, or like it or not. And obviously the big one, skin color, is one that we, we don't battle as such in the church, at least not as, I will not tolerate it, but that's, that's one area of issues. But we have all kinds of prejudice. Someone's size. You know, whether they're tall or not so tall. Whether they're yeah, vertically challenged or not, maybe they're horizontally challenged. And uh, we have all kinds of prejudices, don't we? Some of you brothers shave your head. Apparently you don't like your hair. Well, we have all kinds of prejudices in how we approach things. People around you smell. Some of them good. Some of them maybe not. And all of this, and I'm saying all of this, and yes, I want you to have fun with it. Obviously, I'm trying to lighten the load on what is essentially a very heavy subject. We allow those prejudices. For Paul, they were prejudiced. You know that we don't, we, historically we're told that Paul was not a man of stature. He was probably short and may have not been, I mean, if you can fall asleep and fall out a window when you're listening to him, He's got to go out and raise you from the dead. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have catchers, brother. But, and here they are saying to him, you're bold when you're away from us, but not when you come around. You're no, you're no hot shot when you come around, but you can talk all big when you're out there sending us a letter. They had a prejudice. Paul's basically saying, don't make me come over there and be bold in your face. Rather, listen to what I'm writing to you. 
Church has no capacity for prejudices. But you can't help the fact that you're human and you're going to have some. So what am I telling you? I'm telling you, fight all prejudices and never allow it to interrupt the work of Holy Spirit in and around your life. In and around your life, including the church life. I don't care if you're tall. I don't care if you're big and brawny. I don't care if you're tiny. Some of the littlest people I have ever known, I'm saying physically small. I know that's probably not politically correct, but physically tiny doesn't change it, but spiritual giants, spiritual giants, people I want at my side, serving along with me. You understand what I'm getting at here? I don't care what your skin color is. I don't care what your hair color is, length of it. I don't, none of it, none of it matters. None of it. I don't care if you use cheap Axe cologne spray or if you... (laughs) Spend $150 on a four-ounce bottle of something. Whatever the newest craze some celebrities created. No room for prejudice. And how do we do this? He tells us this in verse 3. Focus, the, the problem with the church in Corinth, they were focused on the visible rather than the invisible. Things they saw. And so we got to get past that. No room for that kind of, it, it, again, it's a product of prejudice. And I can also tell you it's linked to pride, but I'll get to that next week. But it's focused on the visible. Listen, church, your greatest assets are not physically seen. Not physically seen. Because what I want is you so full of Holy Spirit that when you interact with me or anyone else in this church service, you are so full of the Holy Ghost that instead of when you meet someone in the foyer, And you walk up to them and you say, how are you doing today? And they look back at you and say, hey, man, you're looking good today. Looking sharp or whatever it is physically that we may notice about one another. If you were to look at them and say, you know, last night I I saw you when I was was praying and, and the Lord brought you to my mind and He said that I needed to talk to you today and just let you know that God knows that that family member that walked away from Jesus, he's on his way back. That's what Holy Spirit told me last night. I was praying for you. You're so full of the Holy Ghost that you knew they had a pain, but they didn't tell you about their pain. They said they were doing good, but they're not really good. Are you really? What if you came back with that? Oh, yeah, I'm doing good. What do you mean? Well, when I was talking to the Lord last night, Holy Ghost said that you had this problem. What would that be like? 
we're always focused on these, this, these. We got to stop being focused on the visible and start being focused on that which can only be seen through the eyes of the Holy Ghost. The problem with the church in Corinth, they relied on human strength, not divine power. Verse 4, I'll read it for you. This is why Paul has to say something about it. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. You see? That's what he's having to tell them. And stop using the weapons that you're familiar with. Your loud mouth. Your abrasive attitude. Your difficult approach. Stop using that, Paul's saying. He's, say, he's saying, use what God gives you in the spirit realm. Divine power. Let that be what you're known for. They also had a problem because they listened to men, not God. Look at what he says in verse 5. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Why is he saying that? Because that's what, what was happening in their world. In Corinth, of all places, it was happening there. People would convince others. And they would use human reasoning. So they were listening to men rather than God. And that's our struggle to date as well, isn't it? Listening to God rather than men. It's our struggle. Because we're constantly inundated. Our culture is throwing stuff at us. Constantly. Constantly. You know, there are some days you need to, more often than not, turn the news off and turn the word on. Because I don't care what version you listen to. It's still going to be difficult for you to allow the mind of Christ to seep in over those constant voices that are coming at you. Verse 7, I'll, I'll close here today. Look at the obvious facts. Those who say they belong to Christ must recognize we belong to Christ as much as they do. They looked at things on a fleshly surface level. They say we, we don't belong to Christ. Listen, Paul saying, listen, I was there. I was struck down on the road to Damascus. My encounter with Jesus was very real. I saw him. I heard him. And I'm following him. We need to get to the place where we look at things on a spirit level rather than a fleshly surface level. This stuff is easy. It's the stuff you can't see. More important and most difficult to understand and view. Now, am I trying to turn all of you into these sort of spiritual weirdos? Obviously, no. But I do want you to be so full of the Holy Ghost that you're not concerned about someone's height or lack thereof. You're not concerned about their width. You're not concerned about their physical attributes at all. You're 
You're concerned about one thing and one thing only. Are they on their way to heaven and are they going to get there fully equipped so that they can take as many people with them as possible? To heaven, that is. Stand to your feet, please. This is going to be a battle that you will have in the entire, your entire life. Battling your flesh. You all realize because you've been around a time or two, I can't close a service without asking this question. So I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. Nobody looking around. And if you'll use this moment, please, to be still rather than moving about. Are you in a right relationship with Christ? If the flowers that will don your grave are actually in bloom right now, are you ready? Should that be the case? I don't want you to have to wonder. I don't want there to be any question mark where there should be an exclamation point. The cross of Jesus Christ is your exclamation point. And if you will come to the cross and ask for Jesus to forgive you of your sins and come into your heart, then you can remove the question mark and replace it with an exclamation point. So if there's a chance that you're sitting in this service still, right now, and not in a right relationship with Christ, but you want to make that change right now, you want to get things right. You want to be sure. Lift your hand right where you're at. Say, I want to remove the question mark. I want to get things right with Jesus. Right now. Lift it up high. I'm not seeing any hands. Maybe you're watching online or if not live, perhaps sometime you catch this broadcast. If you're not in a right relationship with Christ, you need to ask him to come into your heart and to forgive you of your sins. I'm going to take that to mean that everybody in-house at least is good with Jesus. How many of you will still, with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, say, Pastor, i got a lot of room to grow in getting this flesh under subjection and seeing things with a godly perspective. Lift your hand up if you don't mind. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I want to be more like Jesus. How about you? I want my actions to prove out that I love Jesus not my actions to look like everybody else and I'm just another irritated, angry, funny mustached white dude. I want people to see Jesus when they look at me. So Lord, you hear it. You've seen the hands, Lord. 
Yeah, we got another week. We're going to work on it. If you give us the opportunity, Lord. God, would you start the work of renewal now? Help us to figure out how to not be conformed to the ways of the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, Lord. To have the mind that was in Christ Jesus, in us. I know that's your plan, Lord. And we fight you on it all the way. God, I would love for our church to be the church where people look at, oh, they go to Central Assembly. Those are good people. I'd love that to be the case. And I realize, Lord, that's a big ask. It's a big thing to ask you, Lord, but I'm going to ask. But I also know what that means when I ask it. It means that I got to allow myself to be sharpened. It means I got to allow the sparks to fly in my emotional approach to life. I got to allow that stuff to be calmed and for people to see just you, not me, Lord. So help me, Lord. Help us. Help us, Lord, to be like Jesus. More like Jesus. Every day, Lord. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the lehigh valley but around the world we want to do our part in reaching the people that god has entrusted to us with the gospel of jesus christ you can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry god bless you have an amazing day remember you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.